0: Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. But we're uh, concluding our series, Get Rooted, today. If you'll turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 17, we're going to be reading verses 7 through 8 to start. We have several other passages we'll be looking at. But today's message is titled, Grow in Community. Grow in Community. Anybody here ever visited the Redwood Forests of California? Anybody? I've not been there but I have seen the beautiful pictures and I don't think that they can possibly capture uh, the greatness of uh, these trees. These huge redwoods of California are amazing. They are the largest living things on earth and the tallest trees in the world. Some of them reach 300 feet high and some are over 2,500 years old. And there are actually three of them that have a road carved through them so that you actually drive through the trunk of the tree. That tells you how wide it is, amen, that you actually drive through the trunk. You would think that because these trees are so tall and so huge that they must have a tremendous root system that reaches hundreds of feet down into the earth to keep them upright and strong. And they do have deep roots. However, for their great heights, The redwoods have a surprisingly shallow root system. Their roots are not as deep as you would imagine. But what has enabled them to stand tall through the centuries and last for thousands of years is that their roots are intertwined with one another. Their roots interlock into the neighboring trees so that when the storms come, When the winds blow, when the lightning flashes, the redwoods stand firm together. Hallelujah. The trees support and protect each other, and each tree is important to all the other trees in the grove. Does that sound like something to you? The Bible talks about the importance of spiritual roots to live flourishing and fruitful lives. And that's been our theme for this series. And our theme verse has been Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. Read it with me if you will. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank. With roots that reach deep into the water, such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. See, when you're deeply rooted, you don't have to worry about the changing circumstances of life. Because you will stand strong, you will remain watered by the presence of God, and you will continue to produce fruit in all season. Amen? And that's what we've been talking about. This is our last message in the series, Get Rooted, and we've been discovering the benefits of developing deep spiritual Roots. The first week we talked about rooting our lives in faith and fellowship and how that can transform us and help us live lives that are honoring to the Lord and and are a blessing to others. Last week we looked at being rooted in prayer and Bible study and how that helps us to grow deep roots and it helps us to live fruitful lives. If you missed either of those messages, jump online to our website or go to our YouTube channel or Facebook page and you can watch them there. This week, we're going to talk about the joy and the benefit of being rooted in community. The community of faith, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Being relationally connected with one another in the church family is essential to our spiritual growth, strength, and ability to endure the storms of life. Every one of us is vital to the life of this church. We were never made to do life alone. God designed us to live life in fellowship and connection. We need it, he designed us that way. And when we're rooted in community, our lives are interlocked, and when the winds of trouble blow and the storms of life come, our interlocked roots keep us standing firm. We help to support and strengthen one another. We are a blessing to others in their time of need, and when we're relationally connected, others are a blessing to us in our time of need. If you're not relationally connected, you may go through something, and you may be there saying, oh, the church doesn't care about me. But who is the church? We are, and we need to be relationally connected because when we're relationally connected, then we know when you're going through something, and we can be there for one Another. Amen. And we can also not only bless one another and support one another, but we can have a powerful impact on the world when we partner together and when we partner together with other churches to join God and His mission around the globe as we partner with more than 50 missionaries and with other Assembly of God churches uh, to reach the world by sending our missionaries around the world. So we are partnering to make an impact in the world for Jesus Christ. So we can do far more together than we can do apart. But how do we get rooted in community? It is very simple. First of all, know your part and play it. Turn to your neighbor and say know your part and play it. Now turn to your other neighbor and say know your part and play it, amen? It's that easy. Amen, everyone in the church is needed. Everyone in the church is needed, and we need everyone in the church. The the rest of the church needs us, and we need the rest of the church. Amen. This is Paul's message in Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. The scripture says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts... And each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. And Christ's body represents the church. That's the term Paul uses for it. He says, we are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. He says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Why is he saying that? Because pride makes us think we don't need anybody else. Pride makes us think, I can do life on my own. I can live for Christ on my own. Other people, they may be weak. They may need the support of others. But I'm fine just the way I am. When you think that way, you're saying, I know better than God. Because God says that we need the church. Amen. Pride makes us think that we are better than others. We think others need support, others need encouragement, but we don't need anybody else. We can live for Christ on our own. But Paul warns us, don't think of your that you are better than you really are, but be honest in the evaluation of yourself. Because right now, you may be strong, you may be riding high, but I don't want to burst anybody's bubble. There is coming a time. When the bottom is going to fall out on your life. I'm not speaking that prophetically. I'm speaking that realistically. It's life. It happens. And though I wish it not happened to you, I just know that that's life. Things can unexpectedly happen to us. And then if you've been doing it all on your own, the Bible says, Woe unto the man who is by himself when he falls. Because there is no one to pick him up. That's why we need each other, folks. We need to be there for others when they're struggling so that they'll be there for us when we're struggling. So, you know, Paul tells us, you know, we need to see ourselves realistically. He's not telling us to look at ourselves as though we are lowly and worthless, but instead that we should see ourselves realistically as God sees us. We need to see the value that he has placed on us, and we need to see that he has gifted each one of us to live in unity with one another and be a blessing to one another not only do we need others, they need us, we all belong to each other. Folks, if you're not connected in relation with one another, the only gifts that you are receiving are the gifts that are deposited in my life and the worship team's life. So my predominant gifts are preaching, the prophetic gifts, leadership, and teaching. Those are the gifts you're going to predominantly receive. But you know what? There are people in this church that have the gifts of compassion, the gifts of mercy, the gifts of help, the gift of service. And, and you need those gifts too. Yeah. You need those yeah. gifts too. But if you're not connected to them, uh-huh. you're not going to benefit from those gifts. And you have certain gifts that other people in this body need. And if you're not connected and using those gifts, somebody's going to walk away with their need unmet. And they may even blame God that their need is unmet when it's not God's fault. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen or oh me. Praise the Lord. You know, we often say things like, I belong to new life. Uh And we mean that we're a member of new life. But Paul says that we are members of one body and that means that we belong to each other. He said we belong to each other. He's not talking about completing a membership class, even though that's important, and we have one coming up, and I encourage you, if you've not already taken it, to do so uh, and understand who we are, what we're about, and what it means to be a church member. But he's talking about um, something that is much more important and something that's much more personal. If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Christ, then you are a member of his body, and that means that I belong to you and you belong to me. And we were not meant to live out our commitment to Christ in relation, alone. We were meant to live it out in relationship with one another. And Paul goes on to explain that the primary way in which that is lived out is in service or ministry to one another. God has given each of us gifts that are essential to the overall growth and well-being of his church and when I talk about the growth and well-being of the church I'm not talking about numbers and I'm not talking about an organization I'm talking about the spiritual growth of one another I'm talking about the well-being of one another amen now that will result in numerical growth and it will result in a stronger church but I'm talking about how we interact and minister and bless one another amen and it helps us to grow spiritually it helps our faith to grow. It helps us to grow stronger. Praise the Lord. So God has given each of us gifts that are essential to the overall growth and well-being of the church and its individual members. Look again at Romans 12. We're going to read verses 6 through 8. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things as well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gifts are to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. What Paul is saying is we don't belong to ourselves. God has placed in each of us certain gifts, and those gifts are not to sit on our hands uh, on a Sunday morning, but it is to rise up and use those gifts to bless and minister to others. We belong to one another. The gift that God has put in you belongs to me, and it belongs to Ruby, and it belongs to Lino, and it belongs to Diane, and it belongs to Dorothy. Your gift belongs to all of us, but we can't benefit from it until you use it. Just like my gift belongs to you, and so as I'm using it, I pray that it's blessing you. Amen? We belong to one another, and it is selfish for us To live only unto ourselves and not be a participating member of the body of Christ. What if you woke up one morning and your leg just said, you know what? I don't feel like being a part of this body right now. I just want to rest. You can go about your day, do what you need to do, but I'm not moving. You'd be in big trouble, wouldn't you? Because if your leg doesn't move, the rest of you ain't going nowhere. Something is hindering you. And and when all of the members of the body of Christ are not rising up and doing what they're supposed to be doing, something is hindering, something is holding us back so that we cannot experience the fullness of what God desires to do in our midst. The church is described as a body. And just like our human body has many members or parts, each of which are essential, each of which has a function that is vital to our overall health and well-being, so every person in the church has a gift and a function that is vital to the overall well-being and health of the body. The church is a body that has hands. And sometimes those hands are meant to drive somebody to the doctor's office. Sometimes those hands are meant to help somebody that's going through a trial. Sometimes those hands are meant to lay hands on somebody and pray for them. Sometimes those hands are meant to just get down and do something for somebody that is needed in their life in a practical way. We are the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the feet of Jesus. And we need to go and we need to love and we need to do what God has called us to do. We are the mouth of Jesus. We need to use yes. that mouth to encourage, to yes. strengthen, Hallelujah. to build up one another. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. Without any of these when when any of these parts of the body are missing, the other parts of the body suffer. The other parts of the body suffer. God has given different gifts to different people, some to speak prophetically or to preach, some to teach, some to give the gift of encouragement, some to show kindness, some to serve, some to do good work, whatever it is. God has given those gifts, and we need to each use them. Whatever it is that God has placed inside of you, you need to know your part, and you need to play it. Know your part and play it. When I was young, I enjoyed doing jigsaw puzzles. Don't have much time for it now, but it was fun. I enjoyed searching through the pieces to find the next one that fit together to complete the picture. Anybody ever done jigsaw puzzles? Amen. A few of you. Okay, you don't know what you're missing. The rest of you. Okay. But there's nothing worse than coming to the end of the puzzle and finding that there's a piece missing. You know what? With that one piece missing. The picture can't be complete. It's like it's useless in some ways. And you know what? The same is true in the church. We are all a piece that vitally connects to one another. But when one piece is missing, something is incomplete. Something is incomplete. Without each one of us knowing our part and doing it, the church is incomplete. Come on now. You need to find where you fit interlock yourself in relationship. Use your gift and fill your part. That's what God intends for us. It's gotten awful quiet in here. Hallelujah. But like Martha Tennyson says, we don't talk much when we're undergoing surgery. But it's true, even if you don't like to hear it. Preach it, Pastor Maria. It's true. It's what God's word says. Amen. Hallelujah. right. God has gifted each of us with a unique set of gifts, skills, and talents. And those gifts complement each other. Amen? They complement each other, and they all come together to make the church strong and spiritually healthy and vibrant and growing. When everyone does their part, the church becomes a clearer reflection of Christ in the world, a witness to the love and power of God. Okay, the second principle, love roots us in community. Sincere love motivates us to live and serve in community. Look again at Romans 12, verses 9 through 13. Don't just pretend to love others. Oh, Brother, brother John, so good to see you. Hi, Sister Sananthi Sue, it's wonderful to see you. And you couldn't care less. They're they're off sick somewhere, and you hadn't even prayed for them. You didn't even know they weren't in church. Hallelujah. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Folks, we are in the flesh. There's going to be some wrong stuff in us. Hello? We're going to fail. We're going to disappoint. We're going to make mistakes. You know what? Put that to the side. Hold tightly to what is good. There's something good in every one of us. God is doing a good work in each one of us, amen? And we can find that good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Now, here's a good one. Never be lazy. Don't just sit on your gifts and say, oh, let somebody else serve. I'm just happy receiving. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful for the people here today that are using their gifts. Amen. I'm grateful for the musicians, for, for the singers up here. You'd be grateful for them too if I had to lead worship because you'd have to bring your earplugs. Amen. I'm grateful for them that they take their time to rehearse, that they take their time to be here and they're faithful. I'm grateful for uh, Rudy back on the sound because you wouldn't have very good sound today if he wasn't back there. I'm grateful for the ladies that are running the projections so that you could see the lyrics. Aren't you grateful for that this morning? So you could see the lyrics, amen? I'm grateful for the ones that run our live streams so that uh, over uh, 200-plus people on a Sunday morning watch us online and couldn't do that without them. I'm grateful for the folks that are working back in Children's Church unseen but they're teaching and discipling our kids. And they're also helping you to be able to sit in here undistracted and focused so that God can minister to your heart. Aren't you grateful? I'm grateful for the team of ladies that came in yesterday morning and cleaned the church so that you would have a good experience when you came here this morning. See, they're not just running a vacuum and, and taking a broom in the, in, in the bathroom or whatever. No, they're helping people come in to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in a warm and welcoming environment. Amen? Amen. I'm grateful for our ushers who are the first expression Amen. of the love of God Amen. when someone walks through the doors so that they'll feel welcomed and want to hear the message. Amen? I'm grateful for every person who has found their part and they're playing it. Now, what about you? Amen, Pastor. Amen, Pastor. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You see, Paul tells us, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying when God's people are in need. Be ready to help. Always be eager to practice hospitality. This passage talks about how we are to love each other as Christians. In fact, he tells us that the sincerity of our love for God and for one another is proven in our work in serving one another. This is the repeated message of the Bible. 1 John four twenty 20-21, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Sincere love for God always overflows in love for one another. And sincere love for one another keeps us committed to showing up in each other's lives sincere love helps us to put others needs ahead of our own the same way Jesus did when he went to the cross sincere love makes us excited to serve God by serving others we come to church not God because I want to be blessed even though he's going to bless you but we come saying Lord use me use me to be a blessing today maybe there's somebody that needs a word of encouragement maybe there's someone that just needs a hug because they're feeling alone and abandoned maybe there's someone that needs a prayer this morning Jesus whatever it is Lord use me we come to be a blessing not just to be blessed amen I love the way Paul concluded this portion of the letter he tells us to practice hospitality the Greek word describes the attitude of heart that seeks to turn strangers into friends and this is one of the most valuable and overlooked gifts in the Bible because you know what every time someone walks into this church for the first time they're a stranger and we need to seek to turn them into a friend because when they get that connection, it brings down the walls so that they'll want to receive ministry, so that they'll want to receive the word. Because you all know what it is to walk into a place for the first time by yourself. Yeah. You got walls up because you're kind of like, what's going to go on here? What are the people like? Will I be accepted? What? You know? But when somebody comes up with a smile and a hug and just greets you and makes you feel at home, those walls start to come down. And when those walls come down, you can come in and enter into worship and feel safe. You can put down those defenses, and you can hear the gospel. Amen? And that's what we want people to do. We want people to come, and we want them to feel loved and welcomed and appreciated and valued so that they'll want to keep coming, so that God can keep working in their lives. Amen? And every one of us can show hospitality. Amen. Amen? In fact, earlier in the service, I had our guests raise their hand. Home folks, I hope you were looking around, because after don't, now, don't swarm them like a, like a flock of salesmen on a car lot, right. all right? But, 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 but go over and greet them and make them feel right at home, amen? Welcome them. Show the love of Christ. I read about a woman who was staying at the Marriott Hotel, and while she was on her stay there in the Marriott, she received the news that her sister had died unexpectedly. She was so upset, and she shared her sadness with one of the hotel employees. The employee's name was Charles, and his heart was moved towards her, and he took a sympathy card to the staff, and they all signed it, and he gave it to her with a piece of hot apple pie. And he said, I know this is not much, but I want to let you know that we are sorry for what happened, and we're here. The guest wrote a letter of thanks to the president of the hotel chain, and this is what she wrote. Mr. Marriott, I'll probably never meet you, and I don't need to meet you, Because I met Charles, and so I know what you stand for. I want to assure you that as long as I live, I will stay at your hotels. Folks, people may not meet Jesus in the physical here on earth, but they'll meet us. And if we are a proper reflection of Christ, and they encounter his love through us, they'll say, that's what Jesus is like. And you know what? I want to know that Jesus. When they walk into this church and they meet Jesus through us, they'll say, I'm going to keep coming. Because I feel loved. I feel the love of Christ. Amen. So we need to be a reflection of the love of Christ, When we show hospitality to people, the warm welcome that says you are important, you are cared about, you are valued, we are an extension of Christ's love to them. And you know what, folks? The number one time that 85% of people wow. come to Christ in their adulthood wow. is when they're going through a crisis. Yeah, right. And it is usually when they're going through a crisis that they'll seek out a church. And that is when they need most, to feel the love of Christ. And we need to be that extension of Christ's love so that when they come in here broken and hurting, they say, this is a place that loves me. This is a place that cares for me. This is a place that really shows Christ to me. And their lives can be touched and ministered to. They are meeting Christ through us. And it should make them want to keep coming back and be a part of this loving community. And when they keep coming, guess what? They'll keep meeting Jesus, and they'll keep growing. When we demonstrate love to people around us, it changes things. It changes them. It makes an invisible God visible to them. Hallelujah. Our love for one another is one of the most powerful aspects of our witness to the world. Jesus said, by this... Shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. Our sincere love for God should naturally flow in love for others. It should play out in the hospitality that we show to strangers. We should seek out strangers to turn them into friends. Let them know their love. Folks, when the service is over with, don't have an us for no more mentality where you just dash out. Don't be just about, oh, I want to see my friends. No, you know what? Your friends will stick around for you. Tell your friends, just wait for me one minute and go meet somebody you don't know That's good, and show them the love of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Everybody says? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Through hospitality, through God's love flowing through us, lives can be changed forever. Yes. Amen. Third principle, we don't do life alone. Turn to your neighbor and say, we don't do life alone. Amen. Folks, church is not a place. It is a people. A people who do life together. We live the life of Christ together. Turning to Acts 2, 42 through 47, the scripture says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. There's a lot of people that go to church that they devote themselves to the pastor's teaching. They'll sit here, they'll listen to a sermon, they'll say amen, but then it's out the door. But the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. And to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. When the church is living in unity and love for one another, it releases the Spirit of God to move in our midst. Hallelujah. And all the believers met together in one place, sharing everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day, the Lord added to the fellowship those who were being saved. The early church began in a hostile environment that was opposed to Christ. They had just crucified their their leader. the, the crowds had just crucified Jesus and they, the, the early church often experienced intense, persecution. They faced a lot of trials. Many of them lost their homes, their jobs, etc. So out of necessity, believers had to bond together to help each other because God's vision for his people was never for them to do life alone. In this passage, we see one of the clearest and most honest views of what it was like to be a part of the early Jesus movement. These people regularly gathered for fellowship, Teaching, eating, and worship. And their faith was central to their lives, and fellowship was important for them. They were witnesses to amazing and miraculous things. I could share with you stories of miracles that we have witnessed here in our church people healed of cancer, lupus, blindness, tumors that have disappeared, marriages that were dead but they uh, were restored, people delivered from addiction, miraculous financial provisions, and the list goes on. I have also seen this church band together to care for for the sick. I remember when one of our South Korean uh, ladies that was here in the United States by herself, her name was Pulsan Shin, and she got diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And I remember when she was in the last stages of her life, that there was a group of ladies that came to me and said, would it be okay if we put together a rotation schedule so that there will always be someone with her in these last weeks of her life. And the ladies and some of the men of our church, they banded together and they made out a schedule. They did this all themselves. They did a schedule and she did not die alone there was someone with her for those last weeks of her life that was the church being the church folks that was the church showing up and being what christ has called us to be the sad reality is that sometimes the church can forget its purpose several years ago a a preacher in atlanta noticed a yellow page listing for a restaurant called church of god grill The unusual name sparked his curiosity, so he called and asked how the restaurant got such a unique name. The man who answered the phone said, Well, we started with a little church, and we had to start selling chicken dinners after church on Sunday to help pay the bills. People liked the chicken, and we were doing such good business that eventually we cut back on the church services so that we could devote more time to selling chicken. (laughs) He says, After a while... The business grew so much, we had to close down the church. And we kept selling chicken dinners. But we did keep the name Church of God Grill. Folks, that was a church that forgot its purpose. Amen. And it's easy to lose sight of the purpose and mission that God has given us. We are called to love and serve a broken and lost world to make Christ real Real. to them. Amen. When we love the way Christ loved, lives will be changed. The most important point of the passage we read is that because the early church cared for one another, they were in favor among the unbelievers, among all the people. So the unbelievers were looking at this church, living life together, showing the love of Christ, sharing what they had, helping one another. And the unbelievers were saying, wow, that's incredible. I want to be a part of that. And the result was that God was adding to the church daily such as should be saved. Their love and care for one another was a powerful witness. And the world saw the love of God in action in the family of God, and that's why they continued getting saved. They saw the results of what it truly means to live faithfully for God, and the unbelievers wanted to be a part of that. When the church is more than a place, but a people, a family who loves God and loves one another and are excited about being together and are excited about serving God by serving people, it will be attractive to those who do not yet know Christ and we're gonna see people added to the body every day just like the first century church, amen? There's an old song that says, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing there's too little of. But it's not love in general that the world needs. What the world needs most is to experience the love of God. And God intends for them to encounter his love first through his people, through us. And it will draw them unto him. You know, anxiety and depression are rampant in society today, especially among younger generations. And studies show that there is a clear link with the epidemic of loneliness in society. People just feel alone. And they need love. They need to belong to a spiritual family that cares for them. They need to be a part of a faith family that will help them connect with God and experience His love and will help to encourage and support them as they grow spiritually. Folks, if you're just attending church, I want to encourage you to go beyond just coming to a service and get connected relationally, get involved in one of our ministries, find a place to use your gifts and talents to serve others, you will be amazed the difference it will make in your relationship with God and your spiritual growth. But the first step is getting connected to God by trusting Christ as our Lord and Savior and repenting of our sins. Because the Bible says that we have all sinned, And we were spiritually dead. We were cut off from God. That's the whole reason that Jesus came from heaven to earth, that he lived a sinless life, and he gave that life on the cross of Calvary to pay the punishment of sin that we deserved. So that now when we repent, and the word repent simply means to make a U-turn, we recognize that we're heading in the wrong direction, living life our way without regard for God, and that leads to destruction. And we say, God, I don't want to live that way anymore. I know it's sin. I know it's against you. And I ask you to forgive me, and I turn away from that life, and I turn to you in faith. When we do that, the moment that we do that, Jesus says we're born again. We're made spiritually alive, and we are brought into relationship with God. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to have a relationship with God. I want to encounter God. I want to come to God. I want to have my sins forgiven. Or maybe you would say, Pastor, pray for me. I gave my heart to Christ some time ago, but I've drifted away and I know I need to come back. If that's you, you want to come to Jesus or you want to come back to Jesus and you would say, "Pastor, pray for me." Just slip your hand up. Say, "Pastor, pray for me. I want to come to Jesus or I want to come back to Jesus." Thank you for that hand. Is there someone else? Thank you for another hand back there. Is there someone else? "Pray for me, Pastor. I want to come to Jesus." Thank you for another hand down here. "I want to come to Jesus or I want to come back to Jesus." Amen. Amen. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I'm going to ask all of us that are saved to pray this along with those that are praying it for the first time this morning as in encouragement, but I'm going to ask those that raise your hand to pray this simple prayer with me. It's not my words, but your heart that God is listening to. Would you pray this prayer with me, dear Jesus? I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that you love me so much that you died for me. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life, and I turn to you in faith. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins and I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you in Jesus name amen amen praise the Lord if you have prayed that prayer we want to congratulate you on making the best decision of your life and we want to welcome you to the family of God If you just prayed that prayer, that prayer was a beginning and not an end, and it is the beginning of a lifelong relationship with God. We want to help you to grow in that relationship and grow in your faith by sending you free of charge a little e-booklet that will help you understand the prayer that you just prayed and the next steps to take to keep growing in your relationship with God. So if you just prayed that prayer, if you would take your phone out, and if we could have the altar slide up, there's going to be a phone number up there in just a moment. If you prayed that prayer, we're going to ask you to text I uh, text your email address to the number on the screen because we want to send you free of charge this little e-booklet that will help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So if you would do that right now so that you don't forget, take your phone out and just text your email address to that number on the screen. But once again, congratulations, and we welcome you to the family of God. We want to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. For those of us who have already received Christ, if you're relationally connected to the body, I want to encourage you to practice hospitality, to seek out strangers, newcomers in our midst, turn them into friends, and reach out to one person somewhere in your life once a week and make the love of Jesus real to them. And for those of you who are are common but you're not yet relationally connected, I want to challenge you to get involved. I want to challenge you to attend a ministry in the next two or three weeks where you can get connected relationally. And I want to challenge you to find a place to use your gifts in the body of Christ to serve and minister to others. Take that next step. You'll be amazed what it will do in your spiritual walk. And I'm going to ask you right now, if you're willing to commit to do what we've just described, You're already, already if you're already relationally connected, we're going to reach out to newcomers. We're going to reach out to people outside our circle and make them friends. If you're not yet relationally connected, you're going to take the step of attending a ministry, getting connected relationally, finding a place to use your gifts to serve the Lord. If you're willing to commit to either of those, would you stand to your feet and make your way to this altar we just want to spend a few moments responding to the word of God because we don't want to be hearers of the word only we want to be doers and the word of God always requires a response so let's respond to the word and let's say yes Lord I've heard your message and I want to live it out I'm going to be a doer of your word hallelujah you that are coming to this altar you know exactly the area that you are responding to and the step that God is calling you to make so I encourage you just to talk to the Lord in your out of your own heart at this altar as I pray over us Heavenly Father I thank you for all of these that are coming in response to your word and saying Lord I don't want to be a hearer only but I want to be a doer of your word and so Father I receive the message today and by faith I am making a commitment if I'm already relationally connected to the body I'm making a commitment today to reach out with hospitality to show your love Lord God to newcomers to turn strangers into friends to reach out every time a newcomer comes in this church body and to just make the love of Christ real to them and I'm making a commitment to reach out to one person a week outside of these walls and show them the love of Christ in a practical way for those of us who are not yet relationally connected We come to this altar today and we say, Lord, we commit to take the step beyond just attending church to get involved, to participate, to to develop connections of relationship within the body by attending the ministries of the church, by by finding a place to use our gifts and abilities to be a blessing to others. We make that commitment that in the next several weeks, we're going to step out and act upon your word, Lord God. Father, Although we make that commitment today, we know that even though the Spirit is willing, the flesh is often weak. And so we ask the help of your Holy Spirit Amen. to remind us of this commitment and to help us live it out, Lord God. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954 954- 516 That's 954-516-1522 Thank you and we hope you will join us again.